0: Good morning world, good morning to all the farmers and fishermen, good morning to the truckers and the loggers and the people that dig ditches. It is March the 15th, 2021, and this is the 13th Recovered Lecture. This is the 13th Recovered Lecture. This is the thirteenth 13th thirteenth attempt, 13th attempt at reading toilet paper, old discarded envelopes and we did it. We really did. Dr. Ruth Hrubrington of the International Institute for the Study of Making Sandcastles. Dr. Ruth Herbrington, famous for How to Relax at the Beach, Part 1 and 2. Dr. Ruth Herbrington, who is the famous FBI de escalation scientist who was brought in during the great standoff of 20, tw- yeah, 2016. In 2019, Dr. Ruth Huberington discovered some toilet paper and some gumbus and some trash and some old cardboard. She found some crumpled up paper and old brown grumbly and maybe some fucking, I don't know, driftwood. And on all these various chunks of crapola, she found the etchings, the sketchings, the notes, the ideas, the lost prison lectures of Charles Manson. Literally, the Dead Sea Scrolls of the world of trypto freaks and accidental wanderers. In addition to the stellar work of Dr. Ruth Herbrington, Mr. Ken Hayes of the Silicon Valley startup, Your Protein is is Your Path. Mr. Ken Hayes, who working with Celera Genomics figured out the various SNPs and single nucleotide polymorphisms and and the various crinks and kings in your in your dna in your chromosomes in the programming of your proteins in your cellular regulations your mitochondrial bullshit mr ken hayes revolutionized protein analysis in fact without the work of Mr. Ken Hayes, the great scrumbo freak, um, Tori Binglotti, who was ravaging the Pine Barrens of New Jersey for 16 years, without the work of Ken Hayes and his ability to analyze protein, to look at the protein greases and the stains and the dried blood, the crap left behind on that fucking bed at Motel 6, magic fingers in that bed, right? Ken Hayes and Dr. Ruth Herbrington, the hard work, the courageous work, the brilliant work, the scholarly work, as in scholars, as in researchers, thinkers. Ken and Ruth, they're not, they're not drinkers or stinkers. Well, they do drink and they do stink, but they also think. With their minds wrapped around the problem of the toilet paper scrapings and the cardboard etchings and the chunks of scrumply paper and the various testimony of prison guards whose brains are fried from too much PCP. So we've been able to recover from this treasure trove, and I call it a treasure trove, because there's this kind of wisdom that until 2020, none of us would really have tapped into. But there's this kind of dark, misguided sewer logic to the way that Charles Manson's mind works. And in order to navigate these strange waters of 2020 and now 2021, maybe we need a different kind of captain. Maybe we need an existential admiral. Maybe we need the Commodore of Crazy to lead us to those islands beyond. Maybe there's something trapped in that dead, dead, dead mind of Charlie Manson. Maybe there's a whisper of some ghost that an Egyptian priest trapped in the desert someplace. Maybe. The next recovered lecture in the series of lectures is Lecture 13. It is, it is also known as one of Charlie's historical lectures. Because in this lecture are truths, truths of the past. The Residue of History. That's a title on Pornhub. Lecture number 13, given by Charles Manson while under the custodianship of the state on January the 30th, 1998. And the title of this lecture given by Charlie is Corn Pop. That Senator Biden guy I was hunted by whale-masters when the Dlinga's kings ruled Morgantown. I kept my harlot trophies by the fire, and mistress fun was to be had. Your hair was green and fire, and your body was wax and angle grease and old kelp pies. The seas were raucous and twisted, and the waves swept you from my embrace. I met Smokin' Joe when I was still a coot-wanderer, misplaced in this strange realm. It was 1962, and the Soviets were gonna kill us, and man was in space. Fuck, space! Space! We were up there, in rockets, looking for something. Something we lost here on Earth long ago. (laughs) Like some ancient fucking rock or emerald or necklace or crystal ball. But I think we were up there in space looking for trouble. I think we were traveling through space to find demons and crazy, and diseases, and old hookers named Melba. Smoking Joe, a.k.a. Pedo Joe, a.k.a. Slick Dick, a.k.a. Joe Biden, was 20 years old then. His eyes were strange blue-gray with a bloodshot tint that was too extent for his youth. He had the eyes of an old wino drunk. His hair was golden blonde and his legs had this magical kind of leg hair whereby in the sun, huh, his leg hairs became incredibly blonde, white, alabaster, albino, east coast white guy hairs. Leg hairs. White guy, East Coast, leg hairs. Leg hairs stunned people, children, small animals. Weird leg hairs of Joe Biden. He had this weird gaze, too. He could stare at you for hours with those peepers. He was also a narc. Working for the cops. Informing and snitching. for the cops. He was a narc. He was a snitch. He was a double-dealing fool. In 1961, Smoking Joe was caught with reefer and hanging with 12-year-old boys. He was going to be charred with possession and lewdness and potential child molestation charges. The feds gave him a choice. They gave him options, Joe. A, you could go to jail. B, you go to Vietnam. C. Come work for us, Joe. Help us stop these bastards. These evil bastards, Joe. So Joe worked for the feds. He monitored a gang called the Romans. And Joe kept tabs on their shot caller, Willie Morris, a.k.a. Billy Morris, a.k.a. Corn pop. Was moving chili sauce. Chili sauce was a mixture of cocaine and LSD and refined THC extract—the good stuff, the really good stuff, the Ken Kesey good stuff. You know, like Ken Kesey, the Ken Kesey good stuff. Chili sauce was bad, real bad. It drug you down the hole. Folks were getting hooked on this shit up and down the eastern seaboard that summer. From Miami to fucking Maine. Teenagers succumbing to madness, chasing girls, chasing boys, chasing danger, chasing the next cheap thrill. One kid on chili sauce murdered his whole family. Chopped them up, put them in a large freezer, and then drank a gallon of car polish. Chili sauce was a concern. A kid, a Roman, named Harry Winters, he was doing chili sauce under the overpass in Wilmington. He had a 357 Magnum. He had a 357 Magnum, three sticks of dynamite, and one kilo of chili sauce. He was using, and smoking, and dancing, and eventually he stripped down naked, taped the dynamite to his chest, and ran down the street screaming, I am Khrushchev's secret lover. One hundred cops were deployed to stop Harry. His body was tore up with bullets. Once the cops were done shooting, so the feds needed somebody to help them break the Romans, to help them get corn pop, and to put a stop to the whole chili sauce trade. This was the setup, my brothers, in those olden times. In olden times, folks looked different, they greeted each other differently. If a man had his eye on you, his evil eye then you knew, you really knew, you knew you had to beat that man and pummel his face and dump his body and dump his body. dump his body in the bay. You would walk into a bar and see a beautiful girl. She'd be drinking some crappy sugar drink and sipping the vodka chum and smiling her miserable way through smeared lipstick and bad mascara. You'd look that girl in the eye and you'd say, Will you be my Jergen Flower, if I am your sand crab priest? And her response would be a slap and some spit and some harsh words. Very harsh words. But still you push further. You are my jergan flower. You are my jergan flower. You are my window ape. And that girl would take a bottle and break it off. And shove that fucker in your eye. That fucker. Joe and Pop, you know, Corn Pop, would hang out at the same bar. They didn't care about the women, though, they were running boys. They both knew he, they, they both knew the other wanted control of the boys in, Wilming, in Wilmington. And Joe had heard Corn Pop was one real bad dude. A tough motherfucker. Corn Pop carried chain. Six feet of heavy-duty carbon steel chain. He would swing that fucking chain at you, wrapping around your neck, Pulling out your life energy. After he was done taking out some Crombo freak with his chain, he'd take the body and feed it to the pigs at the all-night Chinese country buffet in Blunkton. Joe and Pop, during the summer of 1962, hung out at that nasty bar, Trina's. Trina's. A dive a place for sailors and hookers and drunk Catholic priests and old widowers with poisoned eyes and purple noses. It was at Trina's when Corn Pop decided to take Joe out. Mexicali Pete. (laughs) Mexicali Pete. Mexicali Pete, a.k.a. Pete Roberts, a.k.a. Pedro Sanchez. Yeah, he'd been working the corner of 23rd and Yukon in Wilmington. It was his corner. He'd spin and sell and broadcast his wares. The local chud would line up for his cures. He'd sell the Chinese elixirs and the gypsy spells and heroin and chili sauce. Chili sauce. Chili sauce. sauce. Pedro was standing on that corner working it. He wasn't a Roman, but he was allied with corn pop. and he had Pop's protection. (laughs) That's right, Pedro had Corn Pop's protection. Pedro had a kid brother named Hector. Hector was 13 years old and had been swimming at the Wilmington community pool that summer. And Joe had his eyes on him, little Hector. Joe would ask him questions and buy him candy and sodas and tacos. Joe gave him money once to let him take a picture of Hector with his pants off. One night, Hector came running up the street, up to Pedro's corner, crying. Pedro, that weird white guy grabbed my nuts. What? What? He went up to me at the pool, behind the changing room, cornered me, and he grabbed my nuts. Pedro believed in old school Latin honor. He was an hombre. He was filled with machismo. He was a defender of his blood, his familia. Pedro went to Corn Pop with what happened, and they both decided to take that kitty diddler, pool lifeguard, out. So Joe was out. Joe was out. Out of luck, Joe. Out of luck. You're out of luck. A day late, a dollar short, Joe. Romans coming for you. The Romans are coming for you. Emperor Corn Pop's gonna shove a corn pop up your cornhole, Joe. On that day, that summer day in 1962 that day that Joe Biden was on duty spying for the feds Corn Pop and his crew found Joe in the parking lot after work they found Joe knocked him to the ground. Cornpop and his rusty, crusty crew of Romans, all of them carrying whatever equipment they needed, whatever knives and swords and razors, Corn pop in fury and anger over his grudge came to that parking lot after Joe was done with fucking work at the pool. They knocked him to the ground, tied him up, smeared dog feces all over his face. they beat Joe mercilessly and Corn Pop pummeled him with that chain. After three hours of beating Joe the pedo, they took his whimpering body to the river and weighed him down with rocks and pieces of concrete and some steel plate nearby. They sat there on the bank of the river as the sun rose and they watched making sure the body was gone. Gotta make sure the body's gone. Gotta make sure that body is gone, folks. Joe's body was pulled under, under in that river, and the rocks and the metal plate didn't stay fastened. Bad job, Romans. Too much chili sauce. Joe, barely alive, washed up near the CIA water training facility in Gordonville. The body dumps. That was the code name at Langley. The body dumps. The Body Dumps, a.k.a. CIA Water Training Facility, a.k.a. Greenpeace, just kidding, a.k.a. Antifa, not kidding, yeah. Since the late 1940s, the CIA has had a water training facility on the river in Gordonville. It was where they trained in water torture and swimming and drowning techniques and underwater knife fighting. They had a makeshift body dump dug in under the docks where they kept alligators live, hungry, rabid, diseased, parasite-ridden, Monstrophicus. Deadly, murderous, corrupt alligators. Biden's body had washed up near the alligator fence. Those damned things were snapping at his broken and twitching body. Joe was moaning and wailing and screaming like a lost puppy or an abandoned calf, bleeding. Bleeding, bleeding away, bleeding and bleeding. He was covered in blood and sewer grease and leeches and that wonderful blonde hair on his legs. That was great. We all love your your leg hair, Joe. Kendall Smith, CIA field agent and master torturer, found Biden that morning, found that pathetic lump, That pedo-freak. Kendall took Biden into the changing shack, cleaned his wounds, slapped on bandages, and then they had a debrief on Corn Pop. FBI showed up to record Biden's story And they immediately released a bolo beyond the lookout for corn pop and an arrest warrant for conspiracy to commit conspiracies. Right. Conspiracy to commit conspiracies. Something the CIA really understood. By the next day, hmm, yeah, the Romans were surrounded in a bowling alley. After several hours of standoff and gunfire and the trading of vulgarity and insults, the local cops had a helicopter, a pilot, dropped 50 gallons of gasoline on that damn place, burning it to the ground with the Romans and corn pop and their families inside. Folks near that place said it smelled like barbecue brisket for days days after. Corn Pop, Corn Pop, came running out of that bowling alley at the end, covered in sweat and blood and flames, packing two 1911 Colt sidearms, modified 30-round magazines in each pistol. He screamed and fired, and yelled and shot and took out five cops. And then after taking several shotgun hits to the head, Corn Pop died. Corn Pop died. This is what happens. This is what happens. This is what the deal is. This is the story of Corn Pop. This was the story of Corn Pop, as related by um, Charles Manson. Wow, way back in time, on January the 30th, 1998, these lectures were recovered by the work of Dr. Ruth Hrubrington and Mr. Ken Hayes. I can't say enough about their wonderful work in recovering this wisdom that is going to help us get through whatever the fuck is happening to us. Sure everyone's got a theory. All I see are people with Tide Pods. People with lots of little Tide Pods. People with Tide Pods, bucket of Tide Pods, bag of Tide Pods. Want a Tide Pod? Here's a Tide Pod. Bouchie said give three to your kids. And this is what gets you banned from YouTube. You can't even joke about their darkness because their darkness demands seriousness even though their darkness is a joke. Darkness is a joke, but you can't joke about their darkness. On the topic of YouTube, I've been posting these lectures to YouTube, and YouTube is currently playing some sort of mindfuck game on me. I, ha- I technically received two strikes this week, but they removed one, and then they added another one, and it's weird. And the basic reason is, is that they say I am misinforming you about medical shit. I do not give medical advice. I have never given medical advice. If you hear me talking about my own health, that's my fucking business that I'm letting you know about. And you don't even fucking know if it's true. It could just be for humor. You know, it's like the Dr. Grunkus thing. Dr. Grunkus could be real. Dr. Grunkus could be an amalgamation of all the horrid shit that happens in healthcare. Or Dr. Grunkus could simply be a ghost that lives in the walls. He could be, but he's not. Who knows who he is? The point is, I don't claim to be, I don't pimp myself out as a medical professional. I do not give medical, medical advice. There is nothing in the information on my websites, blogs, writings, or podcasts that would lead any sane person to the conclusion that Dan gives medical advice. You would have to be seriously deranged to believe that. But YouTube claims I'm misinforming you about your health. And all I can tell you is this, your health is your fucking business. I guess that's how I'm misinforming you. On the topic of these lectures also, you know, this work that Dr. Ruth and Ken have been doing, um, really amazing work, it doesn't really pay for itself yet. And so, if you're out there listening, and you have taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, if you've taken care of the people you love, if you've taken care of the things you need to take care of, and frankly have purchased yourself some food, maybe six months to a year's worth. Oh, I know, I know I'm crazy. If you've done all these things, <coughs> excuse me, if you've done all these things and you still have a buck or two, you can donate to this to this lecture series, to this podcast. This is sponsored by the Little Saigon Report, and this is one of our journalistic endeavors into the ancient truths of the past. One could call it I don't know, gonzo journalism but in reality it's simply a representation of the creative artifact of a time when Iron Eyes Cody was going down that fucking river crying in that fucking canoe you remember Iron Eyes Cody, the Italian American in the fucking canoe Sicilian but definitely not, you know Cody, is he cancelled yet? It seems like he should be cancelled because isn't that like blackfacing? I don't know. You know, the funny thing about all this racist bullshit is it's mostly bullshit. But here's what's not bullshit. I would love to be able to do this for a living, and in truth, it wouldn't take very much money. The problem is nobody's got any money. So, very much little of nothing is like an exceptionally large portion of zero. And frankly i do have a few listeners who are way 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 too too generous i do i have a few that give too much i don't want to tell them that because what they give represents that meager slice of something that allows me to buy food but some of my frankly all the listeners so far that have donated have more than donated the amount they would need to ever In an ideal world, I would love to have enough listeners, so five buck donation per year, voluntary. And I figure at five bucks per year, voluntary, I would make it work. You can call me crazy, I think I could make it work, and in a free world, in a different world. The world right now, oh. Anywho, so if you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, your French Bulldog, your 17 cats, your ravens out in the back that you're trying to breed with eagles to create kriegels, crow-eagle hybrids, the corvid super bird of prey, the velociraptor of the sky. And on the topic of kriegels, if you can imagine walking down a a dark, grimy, slimy, Raytheon-toxic, rainy night in Seattle and you're walking down Broadway and no one's walking, no one's really around because the world's been shut down by assholes like Fucky Fauci. And you're walking down Broadway and all of a sudden you hear Frank Sinatra out of an alley. It's like the most beautiful rendition of um Night and Day. And it's beautiful. So you figure there's some singer down the alley, some beautiful singer. Some amazing singer. You want to give them a buck. It's not a singer, baby. It's a kriegel. It's, it's an onslaught of kriegels. They start doing acapello, and you start getting scared. They start kind of dancing towards you. Each one weighs 50 pounds. An onslaught? Is twenty five Kriegels. I'm not saying that's going to happen next week. It might take a couple months with all the poison and the toxins and the vaccines we're giving to fucking gorillas, once the gorillas go mad off the COVID vaccine and grab Bill Gates by his nuts and rips off his nutsack and his penis and shoves it down his throat, once the gorillas go mad and in the name of Harambe pick up machine guns and fucking two-by-fours with nails driven through them, and they just want a can of whoop-ass at that point. And so I would load those gorillas on C 130s. <laughs> Who wants to be the jump master? <laughs> would you like to be the jump master for a stick of airborne, angry, vaccine mutilated, hybrid, super crazy gorillas? You know? They're already losing their hair because of the fucking vaccine. So they're really just scary-looking hairless gorillas. Would you want to be the jump master? And anyways, if you don't know what a jump master is, a jump master is the dude that runs your airborne drum, jump, okay? Like airborne, army airborne, airborne school, military parachuting, blah, blah, blah. Your jump master controls that jump. He controls the plane. He's the guy who basically tells you to to, to go out the door. The stick represents, I think it's just usually like five or six, but it represents sometimes up to a squad, I guess a squad of troops that are in a stick, and what they do is once the jump master says go, you go. You have your tuck position, you count to three. If your main doesn't open, yeah. Kiss your ass goodbye. At 500 feet, kiss your ass goodbye. But no, if your main parachute does not open, you got a reserve by your side. Pull the reserve and you can just on down like some sklumptic freak uh, at Friar Drop Zone. I swear the best time I had in the military, probably the only good time I had in the Army, was going to airborne school the weirdest, most bizarre thing to say, because there's a backstory. And the thing is, I don't always tell my backstories. But if you knew the backstory to this, you would understand how weird this is. But the the best thing I did in terms of being happy, the happiest time when I was serving, was at airborne school. I'm a five-jump chump, baby. I got my certificate. (laughs) You know what's funny? i think i could probably still do it today but um and and i might not get injured the thing about military parachutes the way they do it you're falling really fast so if you do the hollywood bullshit you'll break both your fucking legs you have to really think about it and if you're carrying a full combat load you drop even faster, basically. There's a lot more kinetic energy. And that's why you base... I don't want to go into details. That's why they keep their combat load between their legs. But the way I just said that makes it sound terrible. But yeah, you keep your combat load between your legs. And then you have a, some sort of release or quick release knot. You pull the quick release, your combat load drops on a kind of a, a cord or a rope underneath you, some type of motherfucking whatever. It's about 20 or 30 feet long, so your combat load hits the ground first, and then that way you don't end up getting all jumbled up and chromazoid and, and destroyed and your knees don't blow out and your fucking femur doesn't stick through your heart. Because shit like that happens, baby. That's the real world. When you were born... God was your jump master. And there were a bunch of people born that day. There were a bunch of people in your stick. And God said, go, go, go. And you went. Sometimes you land okay. Sometimes you don't think about how you land. And on that day, baby... You're going to be wishing you had some chili sauce. On that day, you'll understand, you'll really understand the forbidden wisdoms, the forbidden thoughts, the impossible thinkeries of Charles Manson.